If every round has a theme, last week's was bounce back, with the Lions, Dogs, Suns and Saints chalking up wins after a round six loss. But more importantly, the people's punters on this very show went six from six on their feature bets for round seven, and hopefully you were along for the ride. And the uptick in form comes at a very appropriate time as round eight is the last weekend before a 19-day four-round AFL footy frenzy. And so joining me to get our ducks in a row ahead of a winter deluge of football is the punter's prophet himself, Big Bustlin' Baz. How's your week been? Week two of us, I mate? Um, it's getting it's getting uh, harder and harder, I reckon. But at least you know it's only four weeks or probably four weeks left, but although today's numbers are 403 and yesterday was a massive spike as well, so who knows? It could be an ISO for a lot longer. And uh, I'm missing the gym. I'm missing getting out and being social. And now I've got to wear a face mask everywhere. So but you do look I good look in like a face mask, I must say. Well, it probably hides my face, so it's probably a good thing, isn't it? But ah, uh, at least we've got plenty of, plenty of AFL coming up and also the MLB starts and uh, basketball and everything else as well. So there's going to be plenty of sport for me to watch if I'm not working, which at the moment is uh, something I'm not doing either. So it's all good. Well, you say you're not working, but you've been putting in the hard yards, mate. You've been jagging winners left, right and centre. Yeah, well, if I'm not working, I need to find another way of making money or, or possibly losing money. So I'm doing a lot of homework on uh, form with footy and uh, a little bit of horsey stuff as well. So it's been a, it's been a profitable well two weeks for us, really. So hopefully we can keep that rolling. Do something. Do. Don't think. Think. Don't hope. Do. A lot of that comes down to our analysis, and so we'll jump straight into it. Segment one is coaches' corners. How important are end game moments, Baz? And so my question for you here is around the fact that footy was fixed last Sunday after Carlton and Port Adelaide played an amazing game. Everyone's short golf, uh, goldfish memories erased all the sorrows of Clarko's terrible games and they played out an epic 61-64 battle that saw Robbie Gray clutch the game after the siren. But how important is end game management which I could also word this as, does Carlton know how to win? It's very important. Um, and I know there's a few things that they highlighted on the couch as well. With uh, There's a couple of efforts from Jack Martin being one. I can't remember who the other player was, but they weren't really uh, throwing themselves at the footy or putting that intensity that they expect. But, you know, you, you got the kick. For, for mine, they had the, they had the ball. Obviously, Port Adelaide kicked a couple of points and, Portland did really well in, in pressing up and forcing Carlton to kick the ball long and not controlling the footy. That was that was good from Port LA. But then, you know, Carlton just didn't do the basics right. You know, how how I think it was Tom Jonas who marked. Um, yeah, had Pitnett, McKay and Casbot all fly at once and then Jonas still takes the mark with 43 seconds yeah, to go. Probably it's a bit of column A and column B as well. Like, you know, Carlton played pretty safe that last two or three minutes. And even Teague said that, he wished we took the game on a bit more. Um, and he, he would have rather put out like kick a goal earlier when they missed those few easy shots because it probably would have meant Carlton would have taken the game on a bit more and they might have scored again because it was a pretty open sort of a game and they were able to open up Port Adelaide a fair few times during that game. So, um, but yeah, time management, you know, even even the leaders, you know, the leaders probably went missing a bit in that last couple of minutes. You didn't really see Doherty or Simpson get much of the ball and uh, control it. You didn't see Cripps get do anything either really um so yeah it's just about being a bit smarter generally teams try to possess the ball um and if you don't if you can't possess the ball which probably did really really well like they pushed up made it hard and forced a long kick which is what you're taught as well when you're chasing the game uh, in Porto's position you're, you're taught to you know 
push right up, make it, make them kick long or make them uh, take on an impossible kick. And if they make that kick, they get it over the back wall. So be it, they score, but you've got to try and win the game as well. So Paulo did that well and it worked for them. So, and then they took the game on when they did have the chance and they went back through the middle, which I think uh, if you look at games now, the teams that are taking the, the definitely taking the game on more and taking the corridor more are, are scoring more and teams that are able to score more on turnovers as well. So moving the ball quickly once they do turn over the footy, I think that's the the all the teams at the top the top four and the ladder now are doing that really well. My question here though is everyone will obviously talk about the last minute, two minutes of the game. That's where the highlights are made. That's where legends are made. That's where Robert Gray kicks the goal after the siren. But is this not more a case of just Carlton should have won this game in the third? So in the third quarter they had – uh, inside 50 dominance, 13 to 9. They only kicked one goal, as same as Port, and had an 8% efficiency inside 50 in that third quarter. Why is it that we don't reflect back on that and say that's where Carlton lost the game? Because if they have a slightly higher you know, uh, efficiency rating in that third quarter, then they're taking a big lead into the fourth and then they don't have to do miraculous things to try and win this game. You could have argued the same thing for Port Adelaide in the first half, though, really. Mm. Port Adelaide um, had you know, 24 to 16 inside 50s. Uh, and it was only six goals to five. And, you know, the goal percentage going inside 50 was 31% and 18%. And even in the third quarter, uh, even in the last quarter where, again, they outnumbered uh, Carlton's inside 50s, they only went at 15%. So you could argue, like, the whole way through that Port Adelaide should have won the game. Um, and I, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't know, maybe it's because they want to, I don't know, relive the last minutes fresh in their mind. But if you go through a lot of games, I reckon... And more and more, we talk about momentum. And if you don't take the most of your momentum and, and then hang on to it, then it's it's hard to get it back once the opposition gets it. So Carlton had all that momentum in the third quarter. Same the Adelaide St Kilda game on Monday night. Adelaide dominated that third quarter and couldn't put on scoreboard. And St Kilda went coast to coast, kicked the goal, and probably it was a difference in the match. So you can put it down to poor execution, good defending. But, yeah, I think that... Uh, I think it's just easier for the commentators and the people. We've already heard Gary Lyons saying that people don't want deep analysis. Well, maybe it's just easier for him to talk about the last minute instead of going through what's happened previously in the match. Probably true, unfortunately. All right, so last two questions I've got is, do good losses exist? So a lot of Carlton fans, Carlton pundits, Carlton commentators were saying that they're sick of honourable losses, but surely losing by a kick after the siren to probably now the premiership favourite is a good loss in Carlton's eyes. Oh, yeah, I think that it shows. We've spoken about this before. I think Carlton are another another couple of, another season away. So this year and the next year they'll they'll take another step away from being genuine genuine finals contenders and probably genuine you know grand finalists from next year onwards. So I think it's just part of their learning. You're seeing a lot more from other players, not your general um, top five or six players from Carlton doing doing all the things that they normally do for Carlton win games, you're seeing other players step up, which is really good to see. And, you know, it's just all character building. And I think you can, we can probably going forward, we can trust Carlton a lot more um, than probably what we could have. And it's the same with the Suns. We can probably trust the Suns a bit more now as well. So I, I think it's good for Carlton. I think, yeah, they're going to, they've got some players to come back in as well. Not, maybe not this year, but definitely next year. And they're going to be, they're starting to push now and we're starting to see, uh, that 15, 20-year rebuild finally start to take effect. Yep, only uh, only three times as long as uh, what they predicted, but that's, you know, budgets are hard to come by these days. So. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, exactly right. Man. Last question here is, Port, are they now premiership favourites? 
I don't reckon they are. No, I think Brisbane are still way ahead. So I've got Brisbane ahead on the premiership favourites and I've got Port second, um, followed by probably Collingwood. So that's me. But I think Port um, were a bit lucky to get away with it in a, in a, in a, in a way because they, they didn't take the opportunities early and, and late as well. Um, I mean, they those three shots, you know, Dixon could have iced the game in the first half, really. I think he one goal three or one goal four in that first half. So... Um, Maybe Teague should have made. I know David King was harping on it a lot that David Teague should have made the change. Um, but it was good. He backed in Liam Jones to get the job done. And but yeah, I think Port still have a, a probably not as not as dangerous as Brisbane, mm. and that was proven probably a couple of weeks ago as well. For a man who doesn't read the run sheet, great segue there by you, Baz. Great segue. So we'll move on to segment two, watch has happened. The big wins and bad beats of round seven. And first cab off the rank here is Brisbane, 13-10-88, defeated the Giants, 10-8-68. You've just said there the Lions are your premiership favourites. Are we putting – are you getting out your trademark big red pen and putting it through the Giants? No, not yet. I still think the Giants can manufacture something uh, later in the or from, from this week going forward. Hopefully, um, Brisbane were very, very good, and I still I, I, Brisbane are my premiership favourites. But I want to see them absolutely do a number on Melbourne this week before I'm, I'm chips in with Brisbane. I have already backed them, but I want to go chips in soon. But I just want to see them get the job done over Melbourne this week. I think GWS. If they can release the shackles and start playing the footy they played last year, I don't know why they've changed or what's happened or whether there's something internal we don't know about. But uh, if they don't turn it around this weekend, this weekend's a perfect opportunity for them, uh, then we will put the line through them. But it's going to be hard for them if they don't win this week because obviously we've got a shortened season. They've already lost a fair few games. They need to start winning them. So I think we'll give them one more chance this week. I'm going to tip them this week against Richmond and, if they don't play a different style of footy and, and get the job done, then you can definitely put that red marker through them. Um, but I reckon you'll see a different team this week. I reckon you'll see a different style of footy from JWS. We spoke a bit last week about, you know, giving t- uh, players freedom and teams freedom and not uh, bog them down with game plans and and game styles. And I think sometimes you got to find that happy balance. I think GWS have gone too far the other way because they got smashed by Richmond in the grand final. And I think if they just let those creative players and those guns they've got just play some footy with a little bit of structure, that, that they'll be, they're a bloody good side. They've got too many good players to be playing that poorly. Which is interesting because DeLeo came out during the week and said the almost the opposite, that there's not enough structure and not enough discipline at the club and that too often – they're good, they're excellent superstar players are trying to win the game by themselves instead of doing the sensible, more mundane team thing. So do you actually think, is it, is it a lack of freedom or too much too much structure that's causing them to be play this stilted type of football? I think it's too much structure. Why would they be moving the ball so slowly and why are they trying to possess the ball so much? So, you know, you look at all the vision that and that they're showing on TV and how they're playing and they're, they're very slow and methodical with the ball. So... They're not getting enough inside 50. It's not giving their forwards enough of a chance one-on-one. And I think that's why they're not scoring as much. They're not getting as many inside 50s and they're struggling. If their better players can all use the footy well, they can take the game on. And like I said before, we're seeing how many teams are going through the corridor and using, you know, attacking and going forward and 
just kicking to one-on-ones in their foreline and, and trying to get it over the back a bit more and all that sort of stuff. And they're the ones that are winning games. So JWS are playing that old style or probably a year or so ago of keeping possession of the footy, chip, slow chipping. And I know it's a score on turnover game at the moment and not as much from stoppages, but um, I think you need to take the game on still to be a winning chance. And I'd hate to take, I'd hate to be playing one-on-one footy with most of the GWS players because they're all so talented. They're all top-end picks. So I know what I'd be doing if I was there on camera. And that's putting the ego in the basket and letting the players play the game. All right, second game I want to talk about here is uh, the Bulldogs, 14-9-93, defeated Essendon, 7-9-51. We have not been able to get a read on these two teams all season. To be fair, all podcasts. The last four years, we've had no idea what these two teams will do week to week. Did that game highlight anything, or does it just prove our point that these are two teams that you basically can't waste any money on because you don't know who was going to turn up each week? Oh, I reckon you can you can pick the teams Western Bulldogs are going to win against. I reckon if we go through our tips from the last three or four years now, and we look at the games where we've tipped the doggies against when we haven't, I reckon we would be we'd be upwards of ninety percent. Because I reckon we've, we've pretty much, except for that, the year they won it, where you went hard on them and I didn't. I think we've pretty much got them spot on. Like they're they're a team that will beat the bottom, you know, bottom sort of teams, especially the slower ones, and then they come up against a, a middle of the road team or a team that's a bit harder around the footy or a team that's good defensively and they struggle. So Essendon are no good. Let's put that out there right now. Is they the pen coming out against, oh, They don't even they don't even deserve a pen because they're no good. But they, they played bloody well against Collingwood that, in that game at the MCG in the rain and they they smashed us. But every other game they've they've played, and I know they've won a few, but they haven't been, they've been pretty ordinary side and they're, they're not, not going to get any better. Even if Danaher comes back, which he probably won't, and Stringer, I just can't see how they get any better than what they are. So, uh, and they were, they were pretty, very, very ordinary on uh, on the weekend. So, and the doggies, you know what you're going to get, but injuries probably going to cost them now. And obviously mental reasons as well for Hunter not playing. And ba- I think Bailey's out now this week as well. Um so they've got a pretty young – they've still got a very young list. And English played a really good game on the on the weekend, but it was, I reckon it was showed how how poor Essendon's ruck stocks are with Phillips. He had a stinker because how can you let a young – you've seen Phillips when he's been – he's good at intercept marking. He plays like that Max Gorn sort of role where he sits behind the footy a bit and intercept marks and gets on the cha- – starts the chains going. But um, in the ruck sort of battle, if you don't, if you don't body him like – when he's been beaten this year in the contest at the, at the ruck stoppages, because the other ruckmen are bigger and stronger, they're bodying, you're not letting him jump and at the ball. And I think uh, that was one thing that uh, Phillips did pretty poorly was you just let him jump all over him. And some of his tap work is unbelievable. And it shows how dangerous he can be and how good he's going to be in another year or two of development. But uh, it was obviously it was pretty poor work from the, if, if they did any opposition analysis on uh, from Phillips as well. So, I, I don't see GW, uh, sorry, I don't see Gold Coast giving um, the Western Bulldogs that free sort of run at, at stoppages this week. So I'm interested to see how they go. But I'll, when they do get their their chains going and they're, and they're attacking, they allow to kick the ball and, and switch to the outer side and use that speed and, and dynamic ball movement they've got. They they can score, and it's the first time this year they've had they've been able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's the first time a team's allowed them to do it and they've about been able to score this year. And again, I don't think Gold Coast will allow them to do that. So They're one of those teams that's is definitely it. campaigning for that style of footy that's like free and open. This magical utopian football would be perfect Western Bulldogs football where no one can tackle, no one can crowd, no one can 
smother and it's just free-flowing end-to-end stuff. In the first quarter, wasn't there like only like three or four tackles for the whole quarter? Yeah, it was, it was, it was Oz kick. Yeah, and, and that's, why, that's why when the Doggies come against a team that can defend and, and doesn't want to stop them from doing that, they've got no answer because they don't get it on their own way and they've got no real plan B. And they, I mean, they don't really have a tall target to kick to either. Bruce is pretty much um, goes missing when he has to take a big cont- contested mark. So, yeah, against those sorts of teams like Essendon and Melbourne and those sorts of teams that aren't really structured behind the footy and don't defend very well, Doggies will open them up and... and be able to score and you know I, I don't really rate the doggies either but they're just better than a couple of teams below them and I mean we tipped the doggies and we had a pretty good collect on the doggies and I don't reckon we'll have that same collect this week but I could be wrong but I'm I'm backing in Gold Coast and I, you can't tip Essendon unless they're playing Adelaide and even then you probably don't tip them so all right last one to talk about last week's games is Richmond 11-11-77 my favorite score in all football Defeated North Melbourne 2-11-23, a terrible score in football. Does beating up on a poor team mean anything, Baz? No. All right, move on. Let's go. Before we jump into the previews, the what are the odds stock market, uh, each, each week we like to get out our big fat red pen, put a line through a team that is officially dead this season, and then also check on the prospects of a rising team. We've mentioned most of the teams that are falling or rising at the moment. Uh, but I do have two I have questions on. One regarding to the red pen, are we putting it through Clarko and his Hawks? Yep. So they're dead. They're they'll, dead for this year. They can't They can't score. They cannot score. It's broken. Footy's, score. footy's broken at the Hawks. Uh, and yeah, North Melbourne are obviously dead. They're dead, um, yeah. So now the dead, we have five dead teams now. So Hawthorne, North Melbourne, Fremantle, Sydney and Adelaide. Would you like to revive any of those teams? No, they're all missing the eight. All right. Uh, and then in terms of buying, are Gold Coast a top eight side? They're currently paying $3.20 to play finals this year. Well, Gold Coast and Brisbane have, of the new fixture, are going to pretty much not leave Brisbane or not leave the Gold Coast in the next five to six weeks. So tell you what, if I was Gold Coast and Brisbane, I'd be absolutely loving this and I'd be backing Gold Coast to make the eight. And the other one I'll probably get on is probably Carlton because they're still they're a good amount of price. They're still about the $3 mark as well. So... I'll be buying both to make the eight. Excellent stuff. All right. Let's get into our round eight previews then after that nice little segue for the first game. Another week, another set of games where one could easily be forgiven for overthinking it, Baz. I slid into your DMs last night. Nothing sus. Very professional. And I said to you, this week was tricky. You said, mate, take a deep breath. Think about which team's better. Pick the obvious pick. So this week's theme, Baz, is talk me down. You have to convince me why I shouldn't do something stupid with my money. And it begins tonight. <laughs> Gold Coast versus the Doggies. Gold Coast at $2.25 outsiders against the Western Bulldogs. $1.65 favorites at Metricon Stadium. The line here is a goal. The over-under, one sixteen. And Baz, why shouldn't I tip the Suns as the value outsider? Why you shouldn't? Why, why shouldn't should I? Because obviously, you yeah. know, money suggests that I should tip the Dogs. But I want to tip the Suns because I think they're a better side. Yeah, well, that's why I'm, t- I'm tipping the Suns as well. And I can't believe the discrepancy in the in the odds at the moment because if you go through the form lines of both these teams, how they're playing their footy, I, you know, even though Gold Coast do make some errors and, and they're um, still not as experienced as probably you'd want them to be, you look at both lists and you think, well, the Gold Coast Suns have a lot, a lot more upside and I, and I reckon 
player for player, a lot better players, even with their first year players compared to Doggy's first year players are better. So um, I don't think English is going to get the sort of freedom he had last week in the ruck with um, Wits, which is probably one of the top three ruckmen in the comp at the moment. Um, and then you, you look at the Gold Coast defence, which has been really solid all year and they've got lots of intercept markers. They're good on the ground level. They do take the game on and I just think they're going to set up well and, and stop the doggies from playing the style of footy they want to play. So I just really think that the dog, uh, sorry, the Suns here are a good thing at $2.25. I couldn't believe it. And uh, the, the other thing I, I saw, you know, Hunter's out. So it's another player in the midfield that go, will, you know, weakens the doggies and they're bringing in a, a first gamer who's been on the list for a few, for a few years. Um, and Bailey Dale goes out as well. So, you know, he's been a bit of a goal kicker for him. So it contributed down in the four line and Billy Gowers comes in. Is that a, I don't really, really think that's a like for like sort of swap or a, a comparable swap either. So I, I just think that they've gone smaller again and it's not going to work for them. And I, I just reckon the Suns definitely uh, go back to back and they get a, they get a really good draw coming up the Suns and they will want to make the most of this. And the doggies, I think we'll see why they're not as good as everyone hyped them up to be after they won a, a couple of games. Mm. So a couple of interesting bits here. My only concern is that the Suns do turn the ball over a lot and the Doggies don't. And so whilst I think the Suns will beat them at the contest and the stats kind of back that up, so uh, the Suns uh, ranked second in the AFL for uh, scores from clearance. So that's where they get the bulk of their scoring power from is from the clearances. So they'll beat up the Doggies around the ball, which we said they don't really like. But they're leading the comp in turnovers at the moment, both clangers and then disposals per clanger as well. So... Can we trust them enough to set up behind the ball or set up defensively to allow them to take the game on and be aggressive like they are, have been doing, but still be okay to cover up their mistakes? Yeah, I think so. I think you've seen all year that they haven't really been scored heavily against, even against the top team. So, you know, they played uh, Geelong, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And and, I I know Melbourne probably scored 80 points against them. But apart from that, they've been pretty consistent with their with the defence and I don't know. Like, it's, I think it's a bit like the Melbourne game here with with the doggies. Like you, you, you know, the doggies probably should go out there and win. They're, they're probably the. You look at look at the, look how they've played, and you go, "Well, the doggies, you know." But you not you can't trust the doggies. I, I reckon I can trust the, the Gold Coast Suns more than the doggies at the moment. So, I just think that they're a lot harder in a contest, and they're going to be a bit tougher to score against. And again, like I know Western Bulldogs scored a lot last week, but it was. And there was no tackling in the game whatsoever. And before that, the Doggies have barely scored 60 points a game. So I just reckon it plays in the Gold Coast hands. Yeah. And in terms of the tackling, so intensity in the ball will be definitely the Suns' favour. Uh, yeah, they average about 15 tackles more than the Bulldogs per game this season. And they do it with the same amount of possessions. So it's not like they're being smashed and like being having to chase the footy, they just like to crack in. So I think the Suns are the pick there. The last stat for mine, in the past four rounds, the Bulldogs have considered a mark from 25% of their entry kicks against. And they rank second last in the comp, obviously Adelaide the last because they're barely a football side at the moment. So I'm with you. I'm tipping the Gold Coast Suns. You haven't talked me out of it. In fact, we're on board, which is uh, probably a good thing, giving our form for the last couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, too much consensus never works out for us in the long run, it seems. All right, Friday night, 7.50. The Giants are $1.65 against Richmond, who are $2.25 outsiders at Giants Stadium. The line here is also a goal, the over-under, 
123. And Baz, why shouldn't I tip the Tigers? Because the Giants have had a stinking run of form. The Tigers have come back. They beat up a side last week. They proved that they can score again. Surely everything is all right in Tigerland and surely the Giants are cooked. Uh, no, I reckon the Giants should be tipped because history says when shit like this happens at Giants or when they've had a week of getting belted in the media for whatever reason, they always come out and step it up a gear. And I, I reckon their team is is pretty much set now. They've got a, one or two probably players missing. And I know that uh, Williams off the halfback uh, is a big, big out. He's the sort of player who uh, takes the ball on and for him across halfback and, and, you know, runs and dashes and gives him that bit of uh, flair, I suppose. And Whitfield's tried to do it last week. But I think, on paper, again, you go through the line by line. GWS have Richmond covered. Uh, the only, you know, even I know they haven't been scoring a lot lately, GWS. But again, I just think their back Richmond's back line might be a bit under the underdone here with you know obviously missing a few players through injury. So and even the midfield, like your midfield depth isn't as good as it was. I know you play a bit differently through the midfield, and you generally outnumber the opposition, but I think GWS are about to bounce back and bounce back hard. And at home... Where are you, where are you finding this, though, Baz? Where are you finding the bounce-back ability? So at the moment, the Giants are ranked la- uh, second last in contested possessions. They're ranked second last in pressure factor. So there goes your midfield concept. They're ranked last in inside 50s. They're ranked second last in offensive one-on-one. So there goes your ability to take on Richmond's defence. It's like if this was horse racing, you're backing a horse that hasn't placed in its last seven starts just because it has a good name. I've been doing that with my horse at the moment. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, okay, well, you, there, there you go. You should tip the Tigers then, but I'm tipping GWS because I reckon, and I, again, I reckon the market's got this wrong. Tigers should be favourite, but I'm just tipping the Giants on that gut feel and the fact that I reckon they're going to bounce back. And if they don't, like I said before, um, put a big red mark through them because they won't, they won't fire a shot this year if they don't win this weekend. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, final couple of little stats grabs here for the Tigers. Everyone says the Tigers are broken this year, but they're actually not that broken as everyone thinks they are. So since round five, they have considered the fewest points per game of any team in the AFL. And the last four weeks, they've considered just 15 points per game from clearances. So their midfield, although not p- powerful in attack, they're actually very set up well defensively. And they've recorded a time and forward half differential of four minutes per game as well. So fourth in the league. So the old Tiger trademark of get it forward, lock it in, keep it there is working. And it worked last week and it'll work again this week. And Tigers at $2.25 is a pretty good value in my opinion. Also, the Tigers have won the first quarter in each of their last three games as an underdog. So whilst you say this is a game where the Giants should come out and smash them, I think this is the game where the Tigers can come out and prove a point. So if you can get Tigers to win the first and Tigers to win head-to-head, that's $3.40 and plenty of value there to play around, I reckon, with in this game. But you're still going to go with the Giants, you reckon, just backing that famous gut of yours. Saturday at 7.40 p.m., Port Adelaide are $1.39 favourites. St Kilda, $3 outsiders. And the line here is a whopping three goals and the over-under a massive one thirty and a half. Baz, why shouldn't I tip the Saints? Uh, I think we saw from the Saints last week why you shouldn't tip them because they're not really... I mean, they're, and we saw against Fremantle as well. If they get it their own way, they're, they're very good to watch. But as soon as you take that away from them, they're pretty ordinary. Um, Bit Bulldogs like. They just lack very Bulldogs like. They reckon they lack that extra midfielder or two, that extra gun midfielder or two. They 
have some brain fades down back. Um, and really, apart from Butler and King, I don't know where else they're sc- I mean, I know memory's been very, very good for her, but I don't know where else their scoring's coming from. So um, you can easily tag uh, a few of their – like Hill out of the game and, and, you know, even to a certain degree, Ross on the weekend got tagged out of the game. Um, Jones as well, you know, he, he has a bit of an impact, but not really a, a massive one. So I just think that Port's midfield's a lot better. Um I don't like the way St Kilda go in with Marshall and Ryder either. I think they should just play one. They do have the matchup for Charlie Dixon, though, with Dougal Howard. He kicked a good goal last week, but it's interesting to see how that, that pans out when he lines up on uh, Big Charlie or Carlo will go to him. But, yeah, I think really the power should be winning this. And, and St Kilda finally broke their hoodoo at Adelaide Oval, but it, it's going to go back to a loss for them at Adelaide Oval this week. I can see Port just doing an absolute number on them here and hopefully they uh, they fog them. Because I think if you go back and look at when St Kilda have played the top teams this year, Collingwood for one, for just in, is automatically in my memory. You can see why St Kilda aren't quite there yet and they absolutely got done like a dog's dinner at the contest. So and I think Port are one of the better, you know, contested ball teams in the competition with Power Pepper and Wines and Boak and those sorts of blokes around the footy. Yeah. Yeah, too much for at both ends really for Port Adelaide to really tip against them. And they've recorded the inside 50 differential of 15, so they ranked first for both defence and attack there. So very, very hard. And probably the number one thing that's impressing people about Port Adelaide this year compared to their previous seasons is they're out-tackling their opposition uh, by eight per game, so second-best differential in the league, but they're doing it with heaps of the footy. So they they finally somehow worked out how to be this free-flowing football team that also rolls up the sleeves and gets in dirty. And uh, just like it will stop the dogs, it will stop the Saints as well because that resistance really kills their ball movement. And we talk about history against teams. Port Adelaide have won all of its last eight matches against St Kilda as well. So um, that's that's pretty good for, for mine to keep that history rolling. I did like Robbie Gray's game last week, and I think he's just starting to find some form. We know he has a bit of a history against St Kilda as well. So... To me, a good game. It'll be a good game to watch, though. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, high scoring. Little, I reckon yeah. the over is in danger here as well. One thirty is not that much. Sixty-five each. Well, yeah, Port can score quickly as well. So we saw that. We've seen that in the first quarter last week and uh, a few games this year. So and obviously St Kilda, they like to play that open style and get out the back a bit as well. So yeah, we'll see some see some scoring. And we also saw Prolade have a bit more depth than probably we give him credit for. You know, Mays came in for his first game in nearly two years, I think it was, and played a pretty good game. So even though they lost Motlop, I know Motlop went down and they had a few other little niggles. Um, they were still able to cover for those players last week against, you know, against the Carlton side, which are going pretty well at the moment. Port, the tip there. Sunday, 105, Adelaide at $2.62. Outsiders at home versus Eston, who are $1.47 favourites. They're playing at the Adelaide Oval. The line here is two goals. You have under 123. Now, Baz, you said it last week that this is the time of year where teams are due when they haven't won one yet to get a win. Why shouldn't I tip Adelaide? You should be tipping Adelaide. I should be tipping Adelaide. This is, again, this is Adelaide. this is bizarre form reading from you here, mate. This is a horse that only has three legs. You're tipping a horse that only has three legs to win. I'm tipping Adelaide because I saw, what I saw last week in that third quarter, if they can just somehow manufacture a score or two, um, I don't reckon Essendon are any good. And I saw that last week and I think that, yeah, if Adelaide play somewhere or even to the point where they did last week, they'll have enough. That'll be enough for them to win against Essendon. 
Hooker and, and Her, uh, Hurley have to play their best games for uh, Adelaide to to not win. And I think Hooker's going to play forward because they got not, not much up forward and he did last week as well against the Doggies. And I, I just think that, yeah, I just think Adelaide are due and they're, 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 this is the perfect opposition because Essendon are missing players. They're underdone. They were ordinary last week. And I, I just think that they're not that good. And we're going to see a, a, a pretty good game from Adelaide and they're going to get their first win on the board. I think you might have the hate goggles on here because it, there's just nothing here that suggests that you could tip Adelaide. They're ranked last in basically every KPI. You did watch the game last week against St Kilda. I did. And they should have, and they should have, yes, if they capitalised, but they didn't. And so they're not even doing that. Like that was the game they could have won. And it well, wasn't due to St Kilda's good play. It's the best game they've played all year. They, they would have improved on all their KPIs in that game than what they have all year. Yeah. They're playing at home again. They've got home crowd advantage. Are they coming up or are they coming up a grade or down a grade against Essendon versus St Kilda? Well, if okay, let's put it this way. If you had St Kilda versus Essendon, who would you have to win? You'd have St Kilda to win, wouldn't you? I would, yes. Would you would you say that St Kilda would beat Essendon by more than twenty three points or roughly twenty three points? You couldn't guarantee that, no. Would you say more or less? Probably less. So you reckon you reckon Essen that that much no? I still reckon St Kilda's that good. Sorry, I still reckon St Kilda's that good. You still reckon? Oh, I reckon St Kilda are a, a four or five goal better side than Essendon, and they they'll probably a three four goal better side than Adelaide. And I reckon Adelaide's going to beat beat Essen here, and I'm happy to be again. I'm happy yeah, to be yeah, wrong, but yeah. I, I just think that Adelaide are prime for this. They, they're going to go into this game with a lot of co- more confidence from last week. They're going to review the tape from last week and see where they're getting things right. And if they can just kick a few more goals and take some more opportunities, they had. I think Mick Adam missed two or three real easy shots in that third quarter. Like if he can just if he kicks those this week and they get off to a good start, I reckon the pressure's going to build on Essendon and they're going to be no good. And I, I still don't like I said I don't rate Essendon. I, I don't think they're any good. And Riley Smith has been really good for Adelaide and the Ruck, and he's finally going to get some help here with his midfield against midfield probably matches up pretty evenly. You know, McGrath's getting plenty of the ball, but he's not doing anything with it. Phillips or Bell Chambers aren't really a Raiders Ruckman. Going Essendon don't really have a four line unless it's Tip and Woody. Um and their back line again, like they've, they've been held up by Hurley, Hooker and Ridley each week. Hooker's probably enough to go forward and you got Ridley and Hurley. And I think if Adelaide do move the ball a bit better and they actually stop trying to take contested marks down the line and uh you know, try maybe push up again and try and get over the back, use that speed. I think that's where they're going to beat Essendon. And if they do that, it makes Hurley and, and Ridley and Hooker ineffective by, you know, taking those big intercept contested marks. So yeah. I just reckon that, yeah, they're, they're going to be set for this Adelaide. They're going to come out firing and probably get the job done. There you go. It's, it's I see the analogy here being like, if that horse doesn't jump late every single time, it won't get stuck in traffic and it'll have a clear run home to the post. It's like a lot of ifs, buts and maybes and wishful thinking. But I like your confidence there, Adelaide. I'm not touching it. Are you touching it, though? How confident are you? Will you part with cash uh, on this game? It's in my feature bets. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You might have talked me around here. I don't know. When you get that confident... You've seen something that I haven't seen, but I'm tipping Essendon for the moment. Sunday, 7.40 West Coast are $1.65 favourites. Collingwood, $2.20 outsiders. It's at Optus Stadium. The line here is a goal. The over-under a poultry, one thirteen. And Baz, why shouldn't I tip your pies? Because go is not playing. Are you being serious though or are you just – that's it? I don't, I don't know who's going to kick our score. 
You don't need to, mate. You don't score. That's the whole point. No one scores in Collingwood games. Yeah, but we haven't we we haven't come up against a style with a four line as as dynamic as probably what West Coast is, especially with the tools. And we don't really have a lot of tools at the moment. So yeah, it's interesting to see what happens this game. I'm probably going to tip Collingwood just for the fact that I think we're still better. Um, and everyone's talking around West Coast being back, but you know, even last week again against Freo, like it was a lot closer than what the scoreline suggests that game. And Tabana could kick a footy occasionally; they might have been a bit closer as well. So it's again, it's all about taking your momentum and and making the most of your opportunities. So. Um, I really, I, I fear what happens when the goalie doesn't play and still side bottom still missing. Uh, I, I just don't know where our goal's going to come from, but I know we're going to move the ball a lot quicker. I know we're going to take the game on, especially for the first quarter and a half and hopefully throughout the, the game. Because uh, I think if we go head to head, we've got too much for them because I think we're, we're a better defensive unit than what they are. And yeah, if we can keep Kennedy, Darling, Allen, those sorts of blokes out of the game, I think it'll be all right. And that's what worries me, I think, for West Coast at the moment is they're, they're really tall. They're really big. And, you know, we've spoken about it the last two years. They've been poor with ground balls. So if we just keep the ball on the deck and I think that surge mentality, which we did play a bit with last week against Geelong because we knew we were quicker than them. We had the outside uh, pace, which, you know, Buckley talked about pre-game and during the game as well on Channel 7. Um, I think it's going to be very similar to West Coast. That if we can keep the ball on the deck and keep, playing that sort of surge mentality and keep that pressure up, that hunt, that we'll probably score enough. And the other thing I like seeing is I love Will Hoskin Elliott on a, on a wing and when he's out there running, but him deep forward, he played a bit more deep forward last week and he can take some hangers. He's a good set shot at goal and he just gets involved. He's pretty smart. And I really hope we don't bring Mason Cox back in. I just really hope we don't stoop to that level. So it's interesting here that you mentioned you reckon it's going to be a similar game to how you played against Geelong. I think... Collingwood against safe sides don't need to worry about scoring too much. So West Coast are the highest percentage team for kicking the ball out of defence and using the boundary line. 66% of the time they do it. So I don't think – there's nowhere that West Coast can really hurt you even with a deplenished squad. So you're, better, you're the best defensive team in terms of clearances. So you don't get scored against out of clearances. You're the best defensive team in terms of first possession. You're the best defensive team in terms of one-on-ones. Your tackle efficiency is 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 elite. It's the it's the second best in the in the competition. And West Coast aren't dominating, or even in terms of their dynamic forward line, to use your terms, they've the worst disposal efficiency inside fifty this year is the Eagles. So their, their dynamic forward line isn't there either. So I actually don't think there's too much for you to be to be worried about, and it will come from defence. So the Magpies have only allowed a goal from eighteen percent of their inside fifties against. So Teams can't score against you. They won't score against you. And the thing that always happens will continue to happen, which is you'll win the first quarter, you'll play hard for two, you'll shut the game down, and you'll and you'll cruise to a to a very dour win. Monday, 8-10. What an odd time for football, but welcome to the new normal. Fremantle are $2.57 outsiders. Geelong are $1.49 favorites. They're playing at Optus Stadium as well. The line here is two goals. The over-under, 115. Baz, why shouldn't I tip the Dockers? I'll wait for teams for this, but if obviously Ablett and Selwood are out, uh, if one or two more players are out that had niggles last week and Fremantle, is Fife a chance of returning this week? Oh, maybe, but I don't know why I'd risk him. Because I, I sense this is a pretty winnable game for Fremantle. 
Do you, do you, do you think that? Cause I, I can, I can see it because Geelong, I've, I've jumped off my Geelong bandwagon. I've been defending Geelong for two seasons now and I keep getting reasons not to defend them anymore. We saw, we've seen quick teams against Geelong unless they play on those skinny or small grounds, expo- get, you know, they're exposing Geelong. So Fremantle are a pretty quick sort of side. They've got a lot of pace. They use the ball pretty poorly going forward and in general, I suppose, Freo, but, uh, I, I can see them like, Again, they've been one of those teams that you could almost trust each week to stay in, stay in touch and take the opportunity. If they take the opportunities that you can see them winning a game here and there, which is what they did against St Kilda a few weeks back. And I know it was on the back of Fife, you know, going to the goal square. But I just think that, like I said, I'm going to wait for teams before I finalise my tip here. But at the moment, with the players that Geelong got out, you know, they're not really scoring that freely either. I could, I could probably see Fremantle, you know, winning this game at home as well. Um, and I, again, I, I just don't see how the market's got it this far skewed. I think a lot of the markets are going on previous or what would happen if this was a normal season, not what would happen, not what would happen if with what's going on at the moment with, you know, Geelong had some injuries last week. They, they've also got Duncan out. Um, Sal went down. Um, obviously Ablett's not playing. Um, there was a few little niggles to a couple other blokes. Um, yeah. So if they if they decide to rest a few now because they know they've got these games coming up, you know, the fourteen in fourteen days or whatever it is, the three or four games in fifteen days, whatever it is, like Collingwood, and they decide, all right, this is the, this is the week we're going to rest a few players, and this is all of a sudden a winnable game, and I'd be probably maybe even taking the early odds here with Freeman. I'm just hoping that that does happen because once the teams get announced, now nah, resting a few, the, watch Freeman shorten right into a dollar ninety two dollars, I reckon. Mm. And as we said. As much as Fremantle haven't had the winning results this year, their actual KPIs and stuff back them up. So they're a hugely efficient disposal team. And they inside 50, they're actually quite dynamic. They're actually probably more dynamic than the Eagles once they get inside 50. So they love to they love to tackle hard in there. They generate lots of inside 50s. And they do it from the forward half as well. So they do everything that kind of Geelong's not very good at defending against. So there is an angle to tip Fremantle here. But I think the safest thing here is a uh, little asterisk. Fremantle tip asterisk. I wait for teams, and uh, be a lot of that also, dynamic tipping. I reckon in the next couple of weeks, given the plethora of games. Yeah, you just need to probably check on the teams, and and again go back through the form lines and have a look and see whether you can trust the team. And that's that's where footy tipping is going to be very interesting over the next few weeks, and who you can trust and who you can't. And the other thing that they mentioned on the couch this this year is probably one of the first years where uh, Ruckman are generally having a big um, say on the game and. Uh, Grundy had a dominant game last week against nobody and uh, Sean Darcy and Rory Lobb could probably have a pretty good week this week because, again, the Ruckman at, at Geelong is pretty much non-existent. So uh, we're interested to see what Geelong uh, throw up this week for that Ruck ruck duel and who gets to throw who – who's going to run through that midfield and help out Dangerfield? Plenty of angles there for Fremantle. All right, I've got a couple of tip and forget games too, which is hard to believe in the complicated season like this, but it starts with Saturday, 105, North Melbourne, $2.60 outsiders against Carlton, $1.50 favourites at the Gabba. The line here is two goals, over under 114. And uh, shortly, Carlton win and we move on. Yep, tip Carlton. And um, if they don't win this, then they're probably not where we thought they were. This is We said this last week about Gold Coast and the, and playing Sydney. If uh, Carlton are a top eight side and they're in the position that we think they're in, they, they go out and win this game. They win this quite comfortably. You look at the injury list to North Melbourne, it's 
like they're not that good anyway, and they they've got pretty much half their team missing still. So um, it just puts a bigger hole in their in their in their chances. So yeah. Carlton should be winning and winning pretty easily. Pulling out for Reshaw, indeed. That's the worst job to have in football at the moment, I reckon. Good on him for taking it on, but uh, I reckon he'll be, he'll be thinking in a few weeks' time, what have I done here? Saturday, 3.35. Sydney are $2.25 outsiders against Hawthorne, who are $1.65 favourites at the SCG. The line here is a goal, the over-under 113. Is this going to be the game that breaks football, Baz? Are we going to have football's no. dead again? No, did you not see Sydney play last week, mate? They took the game on more. They went through the corridor. They were moving the ball forward. Their young players decided that they're going to play exciting footy. And uh, I'm tipping Sydney. Yeah, I don't, I, I, when I saw these odds last night, I was not quite sure. I know Sydney lost to Gold Coast, but Gold Coast aren't the cellar dwellers that they once were. Yeah, and, and Hawthorne are playing no good. They can't football. score. So, yeah. like, literally, they're, they're probably the worst that – they're going to probably be one of the worst scoring teams this year, and that's including Adelaide and uh, North. So, yeah, I'll, I'm tipping Sydney, and it's at SCG, and I reckon Sydney get the job done, and uh, $2.25. There's a couple of good value games, I reckon, this week, which you'll see in my feature bets. But, uh, yeah, Sydney for me, and I suppose the pressure will pour on Hawthorne a bit more after this week if they do lose. But, um yeah, I just can't see how the last three weeks North can turn it around. And Sydney have actually shown a bit, I still think, in the last few weeks, even though they've been getting beaten, they've still shown different game plans and different dynamics. And, you know, they, they stayed in touch with your mob, Richmond, and they, they, you know, were pretty good against Gold Coast with probably two and a half, three quarters as well. So, yeah, I'm tipping Sydney. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what plays out if they, uh, if, you know, the coach hunters come for Clarko because – it's going to be pretty odd when if, if he he won't get the sack, but if he did, Hawthorne fans will be like, we need to sack Clarko, we need to sack Clarko. Then the day he gets sacked, they're going to be like, oh, no, we just sacked Clarko. Like, you, wait, wait, what, are you going to, what are you expecting to happen out of this if you do get rid of the best coach of all time? Yeah, well, what's going to happen is it'll be like when Essendon got rid of Sheedy and Lee Matthews left um, Brisbane. It, it just turns into a bit of a shit show because – Clarkson does a lot that probably people don't see, especially at the club. So if he leaves and someone has to pick up the slack and is not as as good as what Clarko is, which is going to be hard, then, yeah, it's interesting. And obviously the assistance dynamics, all that changes. And so it, it works in some ways, but a lot of a lot of times it takes a little uh, change over a period. We even saw it with Buckley and Malthouse. And so, yeah, and it's just whether the, the club is able to stick fat like, you know, Richmond did and like Collingwood did in the end on, on their coaches. So it's going to be interesting, but... Um, it'd be a lot more interesting if they lose this weekend and they don't score as you know they, they struggle to score again because like, seriously, like last week they were they were they were ordinary. I know Melbourne were alright, but they were ordinary. And the week before they weren't much better. So uh, and even against JWS they were pretty shocking. So yeah, I'm just back in Sydney. In. And that's reflected in the lines for this game Sunday six ten. Melbourne are two dollars sixty outsiders. Brisbane a dollar forty eight favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is eleven and a half over under one twenty five. Is it a simple question, Baz, of Brisbane by how much? I oh, know Melbourne are back, don't you know? Petrarca's the best player in the comp. I deliberately um, did not watch any football Wiedem- shows this week because Melbourne are not back. Wiedemann's the best full forward in the comp. They have got the best young up and coming forward in Jackson. Uh, Gorn's dominating. Um, you know. Clayton Oliver's the Brownlow medal favourite next to Petrarca. Um, Pickett's the best recruit of the year. Um, just listen to Fox Footy, mate. All those Melbourne lovers at Fox Footy, they they just they're, they're premiership favourites. Didn't you know that? I did not um, know that. 
and oh, this is this would be classic Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane round one, if they didn't rock up and just pants Melbourne here. Like I said, if they win this game pretty comfortably, like they should. I'm chips in, but um, there is a slight concern for me that Brisbane start well, to bleed their arrogant, a bit yeah. and suck off. I've spoken about it a fair few times this year, but um, yeah, I'm tipping Brisbane and I'm hoping they do a number on them and, and uh, we get to see old Melbourne again because it's where they're truly at, not uh, one or two games against some poor sides. Well, not poor sides. like They, they did the job against Gold Coast, but it wasn't really a convincing win that some people talked it up to be, and they put they beat Hawthorne, who I just told you how ordinary they're going. So, mm. um, yeah, I reckon I reckon uh, Brisbane should win this. Definitely agree there. Brisbane by forty plus is five bucks. Is that a decent value bet? It's a decent value bet because I, like, how often do we see Wiedemann do what he did in the weekend? And you know, he comes up against Harris Andrews and. Um, Leicester and those sorts of blokes who are having career, you know, career best years, and even going, even going forward for Brisbane, they got a pretty dynamic little four line as well as you know McStay and, um, you know, you got Cameron and and uh, those sorts of blokes running around. Rainer's just having an awesome year as well. So there, there's a lot of tough matchups, and you look at the midfield. You know, not really many of Melbourne's midfielders are really that accountable. Like they're not really the type they're gonna defended a stoppage because uh, they, they're used to getting delivered like absolute silver service from Gorm, but they don't usually con- connect that much. They still struggle to win clearances. So there was a stat and um, footage on the weekend of Gorm just absolutely putting it down Oliver's throat and putting down Viney's throat, putting down Petraka's throat, but they actually didn't win the clearance because they overused it or chose the wrong, op- wrong option. So, um, and Brisbane's midfield is pretty good. You know, Barry, Neil, um, Robinson, and unselfish oh, too. They do a lot of off the ball teamwork, creating space and channels stuff that a lot of other teams don't do. And so they're not this, as I said, they're stacked with talent, but they're not hunting for the ball themselves. They're very good at actually running a structure and being a team focused team. That young Bailey from Brisbane, from Brisbane, little 33, I think his number, he's like just an absolute hard nut. You always see him around the stop. He's just laying a shepherd or a block, which allows like the blokes like Neil and stuff to get away. And, McCluggage as well. Like, if you forget about him, he's a superstar. So, yeah, I just think that Brisbane are too good. Got to agree with you there. And that rounds out our previews for round eight. One's favourite segment, Money Making Time, our feature bets for round eight in Baz. Kick us off with your best bet for the weekend's action. Um, I'm going to go back to the disposal prop market. So I think the best bet, um, I've actually got two. So I would have gone the doggies again, but uh, Hunter's out. So I've gone Taylor Adams plus 20 and Adam Trelaw plus 25. You get $2.30 for that. And again, you can probably add Collingwood to win or uh, Collingwood Align or something like that or West Coast Align if you think that's going to go that way. But yeah, you get $2.30 for those two to get those disposals. And if you look at the, their record for the year, and it's, it's probably almost safe money. And also Gold Coast, they're my two best bets for the round. Yep, great stuff there. My best bet is Port Adelaide and the over in their game against St Kilda, which is paying $2.50. Uh, whilst I think Port Adelaide will be pretty convincing winners, uh, it should be a high-scoring game. They're the two, two of the three top-scoring teams in the AFL at the moment. So it makes sense that that game goes over. What's your value action for this weekend, Baz? 
Um, my value is around about five, six bucks. I've, I've already put this bet on the other day, so Lockie Hunter comes out. but So I can't really see what the odds are without Lockie Hunter. But if you get uh, McRae plus 20, Higgins plus 20, Adams plus 20, Trelaw plus 25, and Lockie Neal plus 25, I know there's a bit going on there, but you get it, you're going to get around six bucks. So I reckon that's pretty good value for blokes who get a lot of the footy. Um, and average a lot against these teams. So, for instance, Sean Higgins averages 33 possessions in his last five games against Carlton, had 36 last week. Adams and Chaw, obviously, you know how they've been going this year. We spoke about it last week. Neil always racks them up. And uh, obviously, Jackson McRae, you know, averages something like 27 touches a game. And again, has a really good record against Gold Coast at racking them up, averages like 29, 30 touches a game. So, you know, he's only got to get, a, you know, two-thirds of that and we're home. So that's that's where I'm going with that. Sounds good to me. And it worked last week, so hopefully it works again this week. My value bet, I'm going to the Tiger land here. Tigers to win the first quarter and Richmond to win head-to-head against the Giants is paying $3.40. They're going to take the blueprint out of the Collingwood Magpies system here and, uh, yeah, win the game early and then basically lock it down as they've done, as they've started winning against teams this year. And the Giants are in a massive slump you cannot back a horse that only has three legs. What's your roughy bet here, Baz? Well, I got two out of three when I did this last, uh, about three or four weeks ago. So I'm going for the outsiders, the roughies. So Gold Coast, Sydney, Adelaide, all head-to-head to win. If you boost that up with uh, whoever you're affiliated with, you'll get around. I'll Swartz better giving you 15-31. So that's my rough. Adelaide, Sydney, and Gold Coast all head-to-head. Very nice stuff there. And I'm going back to the well. Until this bet stops giving me cash, I just have to do the listeners the right thing and keep betting it. So Collingwood to win the first, Collingwood to win head-to-head, and under 113.5 is paying $6.25. If you're a bit nervous about it, you can take the line in each of those as well. So Collingwood to win, to, Collingwood to cover the line in the first, Collingwood to cover the 5.5, and, and under the 113 is still 5.25 as well. So plenty of value there if you think the Pies can overcome the Eagles. Uh, brings us to the end of the uh, round eight episode of What Are the Odds? If you want to send us your picks or tips, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at W-A-T-O-S pod. And if our tips have made you some cash and you want to give thanks or keep the pod alive, um, please head to your podcast player's rating system and give us a cheeky five stars and a little review as uh, that boosts us up in our search systems and Google and all those fun places. This is time